Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? I was going to do a Taylor Swift opening here, and then I just thought nothing would make everyone vomit more. I'd probably have a blank space sitting across from me if I did so, so I was like, I won't do it. I won't. I didn't want to cause any bad blood. So I was like, forget it. Forget it. I just, I won't do it. Those jokes are so old. It'd be like 1989. So I was like, forget it. There's no way. So I won't guys. Here we are. My name is Matt Connor. I'm here with Sterling Holmes, who has a headache from having to sit across from me. We are here with the first of a few podcasts this week for you, Chiefs Kingdom and Arrowhead Addicts. As always, we so love and appreciate your support every time you hang out with us, uh, listen to anything that's going on here, engage uh, in in chat or with questions, leaving reviews, getting some swag, taking some bets, whatever it is. We just love it, and we're all here because we love our Chiefs. Sterling, how are you? I wanted to give you just a little bit to recover from laughing so hard at my jokes, but how are you, man? I'm doing well, man. You you said engage, and by the way, I had my engagement photos last yeah. night at Casey Beerco. So yeah. one good shout out to Casey Beerco. It was great. Had some arrow red lager while I was there, so that was pretty fun. I really enjoyed doing that. So me and the old fiance had a great time. Um, but yeah, man, I'm I'm doing really well. You also brought up betting, and for those folks who are so inclined, if you want to fade me like a haircut, feel free. Uh, DraftKings has upped their sign-up offer to kick off football season. New users can place a five-dollar first bet to instantly claim two hundred dollars in bonus bets, plus up to hundred and fifty dollars back in bonus bets if your team loses. All you have to do is sign up with our code Arrowhead. Using our code Arrowhead not only gets you these great bonuses. But it also, it also directly supports our podcast. If you've been considering signing up for DraftKings, make sure you use the code Arrowhead to maximize those first bets. The offer is available only to new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. Love it. Folks, it's, uh, it's a good week here. Um, we're coming out of uh, a weekend where, by the way, Shirley, let me just ask you this off the cuff here. Have you ever seen, when was the last time you remember the chiefs laying like a total smackdown on an opponent like they did on Sunday? Like, can, like, I'm trying to remember the last game. I mean, it was, there was a Raiders game a few years ago that they San Francisco kind of. Yeah, honestly, there was that that was a, a beat down that San Fran game, yep. but not even to the same ilk as this. Yeah, it was. This was just such a complete performance in every way where it almost looked like both units were looking at each other going, what you got? <laughs> uh, and, uh, and I loved it. I just I, I loved the completeness of this game. Uh, I know it was the Bears. We'll talk about all this, but 
from the jump, uh, I, I want to get into like, you know, obviously the bears were a couple days ago and now we're into the after effects of this. And, and I want to jump right into Jawan Taylor. Look, here's the thing. Uh, you know, if you've been under a rock, here's what's happening. Jawan Taylor lines up, you know, um, uh, you know, like 10 car links behind the rest of the line. Um, yeah, everyone else does it too. And he's been getting called for penalties. I think he's had seven penalties in the last two weeks. Uh, what four of them have been illegal formation, I believe, if I'm if I'm right on that. And he gets called for it. The Chiefs undergo a few substitutions, put Prince Tegawanogo in, um, you know, in his place, line up di- line up different guys in the same way, and nothing's called. And then, um, uh, you know, so basically, what you have here is. Early on, it looked like, were the Chiefs mad at Jawan Taylor for getting penalties and are they benching him? And then slowly you realize what they're trying to do is uncover the duplicitousness of, and there's a word for you. By Duplicitous the way. is one of my favorite words. Love it. Love it. It's not just duplicitous, it's the duplicitousness of the ref, right? So look, uh, this duplicity de officials on the part of the NFL. Who are who are being, um, uh, you know, sort of microscopic in their analysis of of um, Jawan Taylor, and then ignoring the behavior of everyone else. Um, the the problem here is Andy Reid is now calling it unfair. So the reason I want to get into it is this: Andy Reid is the most civil person at the platform. We're used to ten years of no matter the opponent, he will say. We look forward to the challenge of playing the. Uh, They're well coached. The Washington, <laughs> yeah. We look forward to the challenge of playing the Washington Generals. Uh, we know they're well coached. We know that they have a lot team. of talent. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, if if he were going against me, he would still say, "Matt's a good football player. He's well coached. I look forward to the challenge of going against Matt." Which I I present zero athletic challenge to anyone. At any time and any competition whatsoever, my wife will tell you that. She's like, yeah, I married kind of a gelatinous blob. That's the way that works. <laughs> so here's the here's here's what I'm saying. If Andy Reid is that diplomatic up front, then you know it means something when he suddenly weighs in on a topic and says, hey, this isn't right. Then not only does he criticize the refs for their treatment of Juwan Taylor – but then he also says the next day, uh, yeah, I'm gonna double down on that, right? Suddenly he's like, he's like Mikey in Swingers or something, or he's he's like he's like in in he's like Rounders going against the big Russian guy. He's like, I'm doubling down on this, you know. He's Vince Vaughn. He's like, gotta be in a Rain Man suite, or you know, I've gotta be at Five Honey by midnight, whatever you know, whatever is going on there. He wants to double down on that, basically saying. The refs suck. The refs get it wrong. The refs are inconsistent. And then he challenges the refs going forward. They better get it right. I've been talking a long time here just to say Andy Reid doesn't talk. So when he does, people listen. And he's talking about these refs. Is that going to solve this issue, my friend? Yes. I actually think this will help a little bit. The audacity of the Kansas City Chiefs in a good way, the audacity in a good way of saying, all right, we're going to take Juwan Taylor out. 
we're going to put some other tackles in and line up even farther back than he does just to see what the refs do. The refs don't call it. Now the refs have a predicament on their hands. Because I will say the first one called against Jawan Taylor in this game I thought was legit. You know, you found a dictionary clearly as you're finding these big words like duplicitous. I understand you found a dictionary and the refs must have found the rule book that said you can't, st- uh, can't line up that far back. I understand that. I have no qualms if they say, you know what? We're going to start calling this, but we're going to start calling it on everyone. That's fine. That's fair. I have zero issues with that. Because the first one, I do think Juwan Taylor was legitimately too far back. The second one, though, he was not. He was lined up correctly. And unless my, my camera angle, my TV view is completely off. If that's the case, then I will give an apology and I will retract my statement. But the refs clearly got that one wrong. And then if you watch the Bengals game last night, there was a certain play where the center's right there. Orlando Brown Jr. is a Boeing 747 away from the center. No call. And it wasn't just Orlando Brown Jr. It was the entire offensive line outside of the center. It wasn't even close. And there was, guess what? No flag called. I don't care if they call it or don't necessarily. I just want some sort of consistency. That is all I want. Because now you're starting to get in Jawan Taylor's head. And that's unfair. You're putting the mental side into the physical side. Juwan Taylor already has his hands full going up, going up against some of the best athletes in the entire world. He's already trying to get a quick jump against guys like Aiden Hutchinson and uh, some Bosa brothers, the Watts. I mean, it, he's got a, a full slate on his hand. And now you're putting the mental aspect of this thinking nonstop. That's too hard on a player, too hard on a guy. The refs need the cooler jets. They need to figure out what they're going to call or not call going into each game. Because quite frankly, this is not right. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Are you surprised that Andy Reid went as heavy handed as he did in his comments? Because it's just rare. I mean, you know, we've, we have now 11th year. This is 11th year of press conferences. I'm looking back thinking, I can't remember really when Andy kind of zeroed in and kept zeroing. Yeah, I can't remember a time either because normally he's very diplomatic, as you said earlier. A lot of times if there's a bad call, he'll just be like, you know what? You got to overcome that. And one call doesn't have the outcome of the game and it doesn't doesn't hold the outcome of the, of the game in its hands. But what I will say, Chiefs were up 41-10 or they were up 41-0, to right? This game was out of hand. There was no win or loss going to be um, – factored in by Jawan Taylor getting a couple of penalties here. So he was very aggressive, pulled him out just to try something, just to see firsthand if it would be different. And it was different. So once that happened, it was all fair game. This was not a case of discretion. This was not a case of uh, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. They did this on purpose to try and prove a point. Point is proven. There's no disregarding or, or throwing this away because it happened. We we see firsthand in the exact game, the same refs, not ref to ref, not team to team. It was player to player. That was the difference. Uh, I am just uh, appalled at the lack of accountability by the NFL refs, because quite frankly, with the second one that was called in Jawan Taylor, a lot of times refs try and give you the benefit of the doubt if you are trying to change. The fact is, Jawan Taylor is trying to move up. He's trying to move up so that way he doesn't get flagged. A lot of times, refs will work with you. When I was talking to Kendall Gammon, right, he was obviously a long snapper as well as, um, you know, a backup offensive lineman. He says a lot of times that the refs will go up to you early on and say, hey, let's give you a warning now, and then we'll call it next time. And he also says if you try to work with them, sometimes they'll work back. 
So I'm shocked that Jawan Taylor is trying to do something. The refs were still that flag happy against him. The other angle of this that bothers me, just for the sake of Jawan Taylor, and maybe this is, you know, maybe this shouldn't be my concern. He's here for a long time, right? So there's no way around that. But here's what I don't like about it. The first impression, what's impression? The first impression is, is a lasting impression. And it feels like, you know, for Jawan Taylor coming into the, into the Chiefs kingdom, he comes in with a four-year, $80 million deal. There's already a lot of attention on him of, all right, I mean, if Brett Veach, he, he got his guy, let's see what this guy brings. All the attention on Orlando Brown, he exits, Jawan Taylor comes in. With all these penalties early on, I wonder, gosh, is that going to be a real issue with the way that fans view him early on? Like, putting him in some early doghouse as, like, an overpenalized – when really, when you look at his actual ability to block for Patrick Mahomes, it's good. It's very good. He's a he's been very good at doing his job, other than some of these penalties. And he has committed penalties. They're not all like all these penalties are not under some umbrella of referee, you know, like conspiracy. <laughs> the only one I really haven't I had an issue with was, was the last one. That was the only yeah. one where I'm sitting here saying, "All right, that seems a little uh, egregious from the referees." Sure, sure. I think maybe you could put a few of them there. So there are some issues, but yeah, I, I guess I feel for Juwan that this first impression may be a lasting one for some fans who are going to put him in a doghouse and automatically go, oh yeah, that's a bad contract on the Chiefs when he's just now getting started. Do you, like, do you feel bad for Juwan in that way? I do, and quite frankly, if you guys remember when this deal happened, I was a little perplexed by the amount of money given out. I'm still a little bit uneasy with the amount of money given out to a right tackle, but that's neither here nor there because at this point, it's a sunk cost, okay? We are here now, and he is going to be the right tackle probably for the next four seasons. What I find interesting, and you brought it up, is he's actually been pretty solid when he's not getting flagged now as an offensive lineman. That is a major issue, but I don't know how big of a change it's actually going to be. He said he was doing this in Jacksonville. Now he's doing it here, lining up that far back, getting the quick start. He's been doing that over four seasons now. How long will it take for him to adjust? Will he lose that quick first step? Will he be thinking? Will he be overthinking? Tim Grunard always says what separates, you know, good players from great players and practice squad guys from, from NFL athletes, if they think that split second is the yeah. absolute difference between great and good and good and not making a roster. So what does this mean for Jawan Taylor if he is thinking? Okay, not just acting or reacting. Um, I will say he had a 98% pass block win rate. I want to say that was week two, the second game of the season. Uh, so that means he was actually doing a very good job in pass protection when he wasn't getting flagged. That gives me some reason for um, some enthusiasm there, but PFF has not liked him a 44.5 PFF grade. I'm not saying PFF is the end all be all, but they chart every single snap. That is something to note. Um, it's just, it, it, you're right though. It is sad that this is our first impression of a very large, what was a very exciting offseason signing. And now we're sitting here saying that's the major issue after you rehauled both tackles. We thought we'd be talking about Donovan Smith. Yeah. Not Jawan Taylor. I love what you said about that mental hiccup side. We often think of this in terms of a physical in, uh, injury. Like if a guy gets through an injury and then we think, Oh, I hope that when he comes back from 
the MCL tear or the hamstring, you know, contusion or, you know, a worse injury. You think, oh, I hope he doesn't keep favoring that, you know, like that he can get back to his original speed or athleticism or whatever. And yet mentally that can happen too. Like you said, they think too much and, and then, um, you know, then suddenly it, it is that like split second loss of, of whatever, which in the NFL is everything. You made a great point there. Um, so yeah, let us know what you think in the comments about Juwan, what the unfair treatment to Andy Reid stuff. We'd love to hear it. Um, and yeah, uh, let's move on here though. Um, uh, because I want to get to some, you know, the, the defense has been such a surprise. It's the story of the season in a year in which the offense is sputtering to begin. They had a chance to get right on Sunday in the get right game against the bears on a defense that's filled with surprises, I guess I'd love to know from you what is what's been the biggest surprise of all, like to you from that unit, or is it just the unit's performance as a whole? I would say the unit's performance as a whole, and I will say this is finally what Steve Spagnuolo wanted all along. Mm-hmm. You don't have a lot of rookies. You have FAU, but in reality, you don't have a ton of rookies playing meaningful snaps on defense. All those rookies from last year are now going to their second season. The versatility is Spag's dream, right? He has, you know, a, a motor guy, a powerful guy in George Karloftis. He has Chris Jones, the one of, if not the best interior defense alignment in the NFL. I will say Aaron Donald looks back to Aaron Donald after what we saw from him last night. Um, you know, you don't even have Charles Minahu back yet, but you have the best cornerback group I think you have had in the Mahomes era by far. You have Trent McDuffie, who looks like a legit CB1. I know I said I was a little concerned about his lack of recovery, right? Because he's not the biggest guy because he doesn't have the longest arms. We saw it in the Super Bowl against the Eagles. We saw it in the preseason. If he gets burnt, it's an issue for him to recover. Well, if you're not getting burnt, it doesn't matter. He's been that good. Legereus Sneed has been that chess piece. Joshua Williams has looked really, really good. Jalen Watson has looked solid in his limited action. The safety play has been great. And oh, by the way, the linebackers, my goodness. In a game without Nick Bolton, in a game when you thought the Bears were going to try and pound the rock, it did not matter. Leo Chennault. Drew Tranquil all over the place doing a little bit of everything. That's why you had the offseason signing of Drew, by the way. The green dot, if Bolton were to miss games and go down, as we saw here, Drew, Twink, uh, Drew Tranquil steps right in, not a beat missed. Then you also have Willie Gay Jr. And oh, by the way, just for good measure, Jack Conkren had a nice little co- uh, contribution as well. I mean, this defense is humming the design blitzes. The tackling has been impressive, especially from the secondary I'm just so enthused by what they have done. Yeah. They, they're they such an impressive unit. And um, we'll talk about the level of competition in just a second. But, yeah, you're right. The unit coming together has been really great. To me, the most important development has been this. You know, we coming into the season, when Chris Jones was, was pulling what he did in terms of, like, le- allowing the holdout to go too far, maybe farther than what he even thought or wanted in the first place. When that happens, um, the worry coming in was, oh, the Chiefs have a lot of good I – th- I think this was the script. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I think most of us would have said, oh, the Chiefs have a lot of um, young, good, and maybe even some very good players. But without their pillar, this could get really ugly, and maybe some of those guys come down a few notches. 
now that I'm watching this team through three games at least, not only am I seeing Chris Jones as the pillar he was, which we can talk about in a minute, but I'm seeing the emergence of other pillars, which I didn't know that we had. You, When you take a first-round guy, you hope he's the pillar. Like you hope that the, the big investment that you make that they turn into a pillar. But George, Karloftis, you already brought up Trip McDuffie. When they when they went up to get McDuffie and when they submitted the draft card for Karloftis last year with those two first rounders, which Brett Veach rarely gets to use, by the way, or elects to use, <laughs> he used both of those. And in doing so, it would have been a great draft if one of those guys turns into a pillar. And when I say pillar, I mean like the this entire unit can rest on that guy kind of thing, right? Like the entire positional group can can be anchored by this guy. I'm, I would beat the table for the fact that I think George Karloftis is turning into that kind of guy, maybe only behind Aiden Hutchinson in this whole draft class and a real edge anchor instead of just having someone in the middle, which is amazing. And then McDuffie, like you said, undersized, and has to play bigger than his body at times. He's not without a weakness, but no player is. And the truth is, McDuffie's shutting him down back there. So in one draft for the Chiefs to go, uh, yeah, waiter, I'd like a pillar over here and a pillar <laughs> over here. And we'll put them next to our other established pillar and watch them grow. We're not even talking about Legereus Sneed or Nick Bolton, Chanel or Tranquil or Gay or Jalen Watson or Williams or Reed or Cook, or or FAU. I mean, there are so many guys who can just play, but the emergence of like these tent poles going up, they're going to hold up the defense for the next half decade, which means this unit will only get better than what we've already seen from them. That, to me, I think it takes a long time to grow into a pillar if you can be there at all, but that both guys are on a fast track there Remember, Karloff, this is 22, 22, 22. My I, voice keeps going up, 22. I was laughing with Briscoe today because I go, doesn't Karloff just feel like a grizzled old vet just the way he plays? <laughs> 22 years old. It's wild. I mean, it, it really is. He, he came from Greece and he's learning football and he already seems like a grizzled old vet just the way he plays. He's turning into that Tamba Holly that he was comped to yes. when he was drafted, right? You know, not the bendiest guy, but a huge motor, big size, very physical, can push you back. I mean, Carl Loftus is looking like the Chiefs' newest version of Tamba Holly. And yeah. Britt McDuffie looks like maybe the best cornerback the Chiefs have had since Marcus Peters. Yeah. Brandon Flowers. I, I I mean, McDuffie looks extremely good. He does, as you as you point out. I think him, Sauce Gardner, I, I do like to say Christian Gonzalez for the Patriots, the rookie. I'm just a huge fan of his. Love watching him play. Um, but you're right. They do look like pillars on this defense. And I've seen a couple people talk about it, like Casey DC saying Mike Dana playing the part. Yeah, Mike Dana has always been the the unsung hero, the unsung glue of this defense, the mortar, keeping the bricks together because he does a little bit of everything. Do you see what he did to that? Was it a center? I mean, he just pushed him directly back into Justin Fields. I was like, holy bleep, dude. How strong are you? 
Come on, Superman, calm down. Like Mike Dana has been absolutely outstanding. And quite frankly, Derek Noddy, who we have joked about. Yep. Yep. You know, he's not looked good the past couple of years since his rookie season, but Derek Noddy is quietly having a very good year inside. I mean, sheesh, if this defense keeps it up, which I think there's actually a lot of reason to to believe they're going to keep it up, watch out NFL. Yeah, yeah. Plus, how fresh are they going to be? You're going to add a you're going to add a mini here to the front line. Chanel's going to learn how to play the the situational pass rusher role better. FAU is only going to get better as he gets. I mean, that defensive front, I just love it. Hey, another another defensive surprise. I'd love to ping this over to you. Look, we were all glad to see Chris Jones find a way back to the roster, right? Who did you did you in any way think Chris Jones was going to show up as a game wrecker from the first snap after having missed the entirety of the preseason? Nope. I told people to pump the brakes to calm down. Don't give him too hard of a time if he struggles at the gate. Uh, yeah, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I mean, dude did not miss a beat. I kept saying, you know, game shape is so much different than great shape. Well, I guess it doesn't matter if you're Chris freaking Jones. It doesn't matter. He he played hardly at all against the Bears. I mean, a big part of that was because they didn't need him to. But the Chiefs have done a good job of when to deploy Chris Jones. They're using him a little bit how the Cowboys use Micah Parsons, right? First, they find the match that they want to exploit, and they wait until a certain down to use him. If they know it's a first down obvious run situation, come on, Chris Jones, get off the field. We're going to save you. We're going to let you do what you do best, which is getting the quarterback uh, the quarterback in collapsing pockets. Uh, I think the Chiefs' usage of Chris Jones has been very, very smart, very, very well placed. And Chris Jones has just been the same old game record he always has been. Let's be real. He sees those incentives in his contract, those 15 sacks, DPOY, and he's like, you know what? I got to make that money back. I'm getting those numbers. <laughs> I, I, I want to give a quick shout here to a thought that I, I don't think it's going to happen, but I wish there was a way that Steve Spagnolo could get, uh, I mean, I don't want to lose him. And I don't think in any way, another team is going to hire Steve Spagnolo to be their head coach again. I like, I think you might disagree with me. I, I think those opportunities are done. I think his age, I think his experience, I, I think there's, He's had his time to be a head coach, but I wish there was a way for Spags to earn some sort of, if he was 20 years younger, he'd be the hottest coaching, you know, like uh head coach and waiting kind of thing. Everyone would be talking about, Oh, who's going to steal Spags away from Andy Reed's staff. Now no one's going, who's going to steal that old man away from Andy. I mean, like no one's saying that maybe, they, maybe they will It'd be better than Sean Payton. Well, look, man, <laughs> Taylor Swift would be better than Sean Payton. Grimace would be better than Sean Payton. I wouldn't have to give up draft capital to to get, you know, <laughs> Spagnola or Grimace or me, quite frankly. Denver, you could have gotten me. I could I could be 0-3, too. Uh, I could also rip on previous coaching staffs and uh, just not be prepared and get a 70-burger put on me. But, you know. <laughs> to each their own, I guess. Dude, you hate Sean Payton so much. Dude, I, I, I don't. I just I, love it. I didn't until he had all those comments, and then he gets asked in his presser, 
And that's an unfair question. What's the question? Oh, yeah, the yeah. question is, how do you rip on the poor coaching, the worst coaching job you've ever seen? Then all of a sudden, you blame it all on the coaching staff. Say, Russell Wilson isn't washed. You get here, and you get a 70-burger dropped on your head by a former ball boy of the Denver Broncos, and you have the absolute audacity to ask, uh, what's the question? Hey, Sean, the question is, you got a 70-burger dropped <laughs> on your dome. You are buns, my guy. I always, I always said Sean Payton's closer. I always said Sean Payton's closer to Mike McCarthy than Bill Belichick because all of these Sean Payton stands were saying, oh, he's an offensive genius. He had Drew Brees his entire career. And by the way, when I say he's closer to Mike McCarthy than Bill Belichick, I'm starting to think that's a slight to Mike McCarthy. It's absurd. <laughs> uh, I love it. I'm not sure what to think there, but I will say this. I think Nathaniel Hackett, is just laying in bed at night giggling to himself <laughs> right about now. I I think that's uh that's true. Let's go to some of the comments real fast. Angry Jerk of German says Spags is a QB killer. That's his whole emphasis, and it's a great approach to the modern NFL. Absolutely. That's such a great way to say it. Um and then Josh Clayton says 15 years with Breeze and only one Super Bowl. I, I want to agree with that, except like Dan Marino. There are just some great quarterbacks who never get the chance. And I, yeah, I get it. Um, I, yeah, what I, will, say? I will say I had a chance to interview Eli Manning this morning for Stacking the Box. So if you want to subscribe to Stacking the Box, also part of the fan sided network, I really appreciate it. Uh, helps me get great guests as well. We got, you know, Emmett Smith. We actually interviewed Dan Marino, got Jamar Chase. And this time we uh, uh, got Eli Manning. So I interviewed him and I actually talked to him about Steve Spagnolo. Uh, just his thoughts because he was obviously there, the defensive coordinator, and uh, was that 07 08 season when they won the Super Bowl. And just his thoughts of Spags going forward if he is going to get a chance to uh, another chance to be a head coach. Um, I think that interview is going to actually drop on Thursday. Sean, just let us know. So uh, if you want to get a little insight from Eli's thoughts on Andy Reid as well as Steve Spagnolo, get, uh, get a chance to listen to that on Thursday. And by the way, you guys want some cool Arrowhead Addict clothes, some merchandise? We have you covered. Arrowhead Addict merch store is now live. And if you visit right now by clicking the link in the description, you can get some really cool merch from shirts to beach towels to baby onesies. We got some pint glass. We got it all. And if you do it right now, we got a promo code. It'll expire by next Monday. It's 87 and 13 and you will get 13 percent off your uh, your order 87 and 13 by next monday for 13 percent off your order if you want to get some cool arrowhead addict merchandise yeah and as always thanks so much just for any support you know from from memberships to hanging out if you're listening right now and you want to give us a thumbs up on the video um press that like button leave us a review uh, as always we appreciate it feel free to ask some questions in a review we'll get to them um, and yeah, it's just, uh, we appreciate you always coming along with us. Let's jump to the offensive side here because I, you know, I, I mentioned this yesterday during the mailbag, uh, the, the, um, Q and a thing on a Monday that we do. And I, I, yeah, I was looking for a few like wrinkles to be ironed out on the offense. And one of those was, I was hoping against the bears the offense would not only start to click, but you would see the, sort of the first um, bits of of rapport between Mahomes and some new guys that don't have that rapport, right? Like, 
I think like in the first week, it was like the engine wouldn't really turn over and it got too late and the Lions won by one point. And then it looked a little bit better in the second week. But against the Bears, what I was thrilled by was Rasheed Rice gets just over 50% of the snaps for the first time. He gets seven targets, catches five of them. After the game, uh, Andy Reid has some good things to say about Rasheed Rice this earlier this week, saying, hey, you know, he's doing a really he's learning a lot, showing some good rapport with with Pat, um, doing a really good job, knows what to do with the football. What like when he gets the football in his hands, he's he does very positive things with it. That's what Andy said. Um, I think we've all kind of thought Rasheed Rice would be kind of a nothing burger this year because it's like, oh, rookies don't play. You know, there's the, the wide receiver room is so crowded. Richie James is going to be all that. I remember somebody saying that. I don't know who was that. Anyway, um, I owe you for this. When I said good things about Josh Gordon, I feel like you, I feel like you turned that into a shiv and then stabbed me in the prison like 50 times with it. Did you say that about Josh Gordon? Josh Gordon. Anyway, um, I just, <laughs> I just don't think any of us saw this happen with Rasheed Rice. And then here it is. Uh, I'm loving it. And I think you, you see these comps to like, he reminds you of Sammy Watkins. That's what Adam Best says. He reminds you of Juju and that physicality. Um, like, did you think we'd see it this early? And do you think it's like a trending up? Or would you say like, dude, it was one game. I don't think it's a trajectory. Like he may have zero catches next game. Chill out. Uh, I do think it's it's a trajectory. I do think it's possibly a zero catches next game, but it does not matter. I'm liking what I've seen so far from him. I will say the drops are still a slight issue for me. They have me at least a little concerned, but we've seen a lot of really good wide receivers in the NFL have drop issues and then get over it. Uh, Jamar Chase in the preseason, but let's talk about regular season. Devontae Adams had his first year or two in the NFL. Deontay Johnson for the Steelers, who I think is a really solid wide receiver, still occasionally has some drop issues. You know, if you're going to drop a ball that turns into an interception, might as well do it when you're up 41 points against the Chicago Bears. But you're right. Rasheed Rice was getting open. He looks good. Um, You know, almost scored two touchdowns, got dragged down on the one both times. But I have really enjoyed Rasheed Rice. And I said when he was drafted, I know I was high on Cedric Tillman, okay, out of Tennessee because I like those big-name schools. I like – when he was going up against SEC competition, I liked him in general. It's a Tennessee. I liked his body type, right? But what Rasheed Rice did in college made me pretty enthused as well. Because I don't care that he went to SMU. When you put up the numbers that he put up, that means he was doing what he was supposed to do against lesser competition. You're not sitting here saying, yeah, well, he played against lesser competition, so we have to project some better numbers, hopefully in the NFL. You know, maybe there's, there's some potential here. No, he dominated at SMU. He was top three. What was it, top three, top five in yards per game? I mean, he was incredible his last year. That, to me, was enough to say, I'm in. I believe this will translate to the NFL, even if it is a smaller school. He took advantage of his attributes. He took advantage of the lesser competition. Uh, that to me is a big deal. So I've been very, very happy with Rishi Rice so far. I, I I was hoping other people would show that kind of rapport. And I think we're seeing Sky Moore develop a little bit more of it, etc. cetera. Um, but Rice finding that rhythm so early in his rookie year, um, it really projects well for the rest 
of his career, knowing he's got four more seasons here. Uh, Rasheed, best rice of all time. I'll take I, your I love air. that. Great, great one from Joshua. Rasheed Rice, best rice of all time. I'll take your answer off air. I love that. Nice. Uh, like Ben Aiton saying, thanks for the podcast. Listening from Queensland, Australia. Appreciate you. Love it. From down under. Uh, from down under. Uh, Trevor Rogan says Rice had, has had catches for decent yardage every game so far. Really doubt he will have zero catch games. I'm with you. I was just more or less saying, even if he does, don't panic because I like the way he is trending. I am fully believing that he will be a piece for the Chiefs going forward. I will say Sky Moore looked better too. Uh, Justin Watson has been that consistent guy, you know, two, three catches a game. That big one, obviously, when uh, Mahomes was on the move and threw that drop in the bucket. That was phenomenal to see. Justin Watson's been very consistent. I like seeing that. Uh, Kadarius Tony only played, was it one snap, two snaps in this game? Justin Ross, I thought, was going to have a big impact because you saw him on the opening drive. First target of the game. Yeah. Only target of the game for Justin Ross. That was in the scripted 15. Looks like when the actual flow of the game got underway, Justin Ross came out. Um, either way, it's hard not to get more excited with the continuity between the wide receivers and Patrick Mahomes. Remember, Marquez would have also had a great game. He had that very long catch brought back on that penalty. Which was a Buns um, call. Let's be real. <laughs> buns. I just love uh, – I love Buns. Is this new, by the way? Buns? Yeah, kind of. Two scoops of ass. I mean, I know you were going with Cheeks for a while. Yeah. But now it's Buns. I like it. Uh, shout out to Chris saying cheers, fellas, down at my local watering hole here in Iowa. Prost. Prost, my guy. I always appreciate you, Chris. Jacob Allen says this podcast sucks. Sorry, man. Feel bad. Don't want to let anyone down. Yeah. Uh, Jacob. That was a big letdown. Here's you. Hold on, Jacob. I'm going to try harder. We were all second. having a great time. And I'm going to hold on. I'm going to try harder now that Jacob says it sucks. Maybe I'll get a little bit better. Do you think he's related uh, to Josh Allen? Do you think that might be the issue? Probably. He's probably yeah, Bill's guy. Sense. Yeah, probably Bill's guy. Probably. You brought up Sky Moore. Are you at all worried about, like, do you think he's coming along the way that you want? I guess through three games, most people thought he was going to be a little bit more of a, of a prominent target there so far. Other people are filling in. You brought up Justin Watson. Justin Watson, by the way, projected out for the whole season, Justin Watson is going to be over 800 yards this season. <laughs> Not sure that's going to carry on. Who knows? If so, kudos to Justin Watson. Um, what's your thought on Moore's position within that? You thought it like, like it, feel fine about it, whatever. I'm fine with it. I don't really care how they get there as long as they get there. Plane, train, automobile, bicycle, bird. I don't give a hoot nor a holler. Just get there. The Chiefs are finding a way to get there. That's what matters. Yeah, I like Sky Moore. I'm not giving up on Sky Moore. Uh, Again, people are always going to compare him to George Pickens just based on what happened in that draft. Chiefs had a chance. They traded back. They got Sky Moore. Pickens ended up going two, sp with two spots before to the Steelers. Pickens has had a very nice start to his career. I get all that. What I will say is Pickens has, a ha has had a lot more opportunity with the Steelers than Sky Moore has had with the Kansas City Chiefs. Not only the amount of snaps played, but also what he's contending with. George Pickens is clear-cut wide receiver one. Sky Moore has a lot more to deal with here. Um, I will say is that because George Pickens just took the wide receiver one spot and ran with it and Sky Moore hasn't? 
Sure, I'll entertain that. But the Chiefs don't ask a ton from uh, rookie or young wide receivers. Typically, Rasheed Rice might be bucking that trend, but I'm not ready to give up on Sky. I'm fine with him continuously learning. He's coming from a small school. We understood all of the growing pains he was going to go through. I mean, we're not even talking SMU small, right? I was talking about SMU. Sky Moore is much, much smaller than that. Yeah, Western Michigan. Yeah, I I, I'm completely fine with letting Sky Moore continuously grow and getting his feet wet. You know, his last game, I think, was his best game so far we have seen with him from yeah. him, most consistent game. That, to me, is a good sign as well. Yeah. Um, real quick, uh, uh, Dave Tobe says before Sunday, he says, hey, look, without Richie James, um, you know, we're going to go with a committee approach. That committee is going to be Kadarius Tony. The committee is going to include Rasheed Rice. The committee is going to include Justin Watson and the committee will include Sky Moore at returner. And we're going to rotate those guys. Then as if it's a Royal rumble and the music starts playing, suddenly the entrance music for Montrell Washington uh, starts playing and Montrell enters the ring, surprisingly running in uh, to the ring from the practice squad. And then, Looking the part, uh, there was no rotation, and suddenly it's Montrell's position to own. Then after the fact, he's asked, Andy Reid asked by Adam Teicher this week, you're going to keep going with Montrell? Andy just gives the quick, yep, that's what we're <laughs> doing. Uh, suddenly, the new competitor just comes in. Maybe Dave Tobe threw a total curveball there. Um, maybe that's why the Bears lost by 40, because they were planning on the rotating committee of wide receivers at returner and Montreal surprised them all and everything fell apart in their game planning. Uh, I loved what I saw from Montreal, which was secure the football and get vertical as fast as hell. I loved it. I loved what I saw in, in, in limited duty. Were you surprised? And what do you think of all this? Well, are we sure it's not just a couple letters off and it's actually Montel Jordan in disguise? Because he showed the receivers, this is how you do it. I mean, I, I was so impressed. I mean, he was, in my best Jim Rome impersonation, he was electric. I mean, seriously, he was out there doing everything that was asked of him and more. I was very impressed with, uh, with Montrell. It's his job now, I think. I love Richie James until he gets back. Maybe Richie James gets back into the equation there, but he looked explosive. He looked better than Richie James did. I, You know me, I'm a huge Richie James guy, but I call it like I see it. Montrell impressed me. That's what we saw from him. Yeah. If, if Richie James is not going to be used as a wide receiver and strictly used as a punt returner, it's going to be hard for him to get back onto the field because Montrell Washington did look better. Um I see some people asking about Rasheed Rice. I will say during training camp, I, I was there watching, and it was really ISM, Amir Smith-Marset, and then it was um, Richie James. Those are the main two. They tried to throw Rasheed Rice in there. They did a little bit earlier on in training camp. And the last day of training camp, they brought Rasheed Rice back there as the punt returner. He proceeded to drop one or two out of three punts, and they just immediately pulled him out. I think they don't want to see a Sky Moore uh, repeat because they probably realized that did a lot up to Sky Moore's psyche, you know, just just to his uh, mental side of things here, right? You know, it, it, it can affect and translate over to being a wide receiver. They probably saw that and said, "Hey, Rishi, this ain't for you, my guy. You you focus on being a wide receiver. We'll put someone else back there." 
<laughs> but I still can't get over your Montel Jordan uh, uh, quote, whatever that was. This is how we do it. I would love to see Montreal Washington say to all my neighbors, you got much flavor. Uh, but yeah, look, uh, I want to talk about one more thing. This, this to me is sort of the unsaid, like of all the good vibes we have right now. I want to go back over the first three weeks here with you, Sterling. and just ask you this. The Detroit Lions, you could applaud them as like, hey, the Detroit Lions, they're looking like it could be a playoff team. They're up and coming. They were red hot. They come in tough, whatever. Jaguars coming in, ascending young team, made the playoffs last year, won a road game or won a, you know, won a playoff game, up and coming. They're a good team. And then the Bears, they suck. But there's another way to look at this whole stretch. Look, if the both of those teams, the Lions barely over 500, the Jags barely over 500, if there wasn't a final playoff spot added to the list, both of those teams wouldn't even have made it or had a, had a shot at anything at all. The Bears look like the bottom of my shoe or Montel Jordan's musical career after this is how we do it. And so here's what I wonder. Is there a way in which, honestly, those first two teams weren't that great and the Bears suck and the Jets are going to throw out, uh, you know, a guy who looks like he's on Duke's lacrosse team in the under center, um, right? He looks like Grayson Allen or something. Am I wrong there? He looks like he'd be a Disney character, like one of those Disney movies. Like he looks like he'd play the villain in one of those, like, cheesy disney movies i think zach wilson was in spy kids 2 and no <laughs> one can convince me otherwise so um you know all that said is there a possibility here that the chiefs defense and all that we're talking about it hasn't actually played you know because because look look at what the jacks did last week too right i mean you're you're looking at the colts on top of the afc south for crying out loud sure um like, what do you think of sort of maybe the slate hasn't been that great? And then coming up, you got the Broncos twice. Um, you know, the Chargers who just lost Mike. Well, I mean, it it's kind of a cupcake front here. Dog, but they can only play who's on their schedule. Like, I'm fine with this. They're, they're doing what they're supposed to do. It'd be different if they're giving up, you know, 21, 24 points to these teams. They are throttling these teams defensively. Hey, let's be real. That was zero points given up against the Bears. It, yep. th that that was. If you yep. want to say, Tim, go ahead. Sure. Yep. If that makes if that makes Bears fans feel better. That was a defensive masterclass. Yep. And what I like to take away from these from these games, if I'm trying to be a little bit more positive here, right? As bad as Justin as Justin Fields is, those are still. NFL wide receivers. DJ Moore is a legit wide receiver one. No, it's not Devontae Adams or Tyreek Hill, but he's a legit wide receiver one. And he was blanketed. That one catch he made was still great defense. It was just a phenomenal catch. I mean, my goodness. But they were not giving them any space. Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, DJ Moore, nothing. Nada. That's all on the secondary. Good defense or good team or bad team doesn't matter. Those guys are legit. They were held to nothing. Lions, top five offensive DVOA last year. I know it's small sample size, you know, three games this year. I'm going to go with the largest sample size of last year. They held them to 14 points. This Chiefs defense is legitimately good. They are legitimately yeah. good. I don't care 
who they play. They are dominating. This is not Alabama playing an FCS school. It's the NFL. These are NFL athletes. They have jobs. This is their job. If you're on the Bears right now, which by the way, we talked, or they talked, the media all off season, how they were going to win the NFC North and how that defense was retooled, revamped. They're going to be good. How that offense, Justin Fields is going to be a top 10 NFL quarterback. All of a sudden, three games in, he's a bust. Now, I think he is. I never thought he was going to be very good. doesn't matter. That was the talk. The Chiefs <laughs> throttled them, okay? I got to give this Chiefs defense all the credit. They're legit, so I don't care who the competition is. We're not talking an FCS team here. We're talking an NFL team with NFL athletes. Yeah. I'm with you. I just think, I, you know, I'm looking back at these early opponents and just thinking, gosh, both these teams were either on the on, – uh, you could be on the fence about both of them. And it made me kind of think, man, with the with the Jets coming up, having lost Rodgers, Broncos coming up who are just total buns, as you'd say. Uh, yeah, you know, it's not – the Chiefs are not going to have a lot of big tests until the Dolphins, um, uh, you know, which should be fun. should be fun to watch them trounce opponents. But, um, yeah, anyway. <laughs> a great comment from Colby Makes Photos. My man, S. Holmes, and the S stands for sunk costs. Uh, Andy Ott says, if their schedule is that weak, the defense is supposed to shut them down. I'm with you, Andy. That's my whole point. They're, they are doing what they are supposed to do. Uh, angry, drunken German says, Chiefs D is still gelling. Come the second half of the year will be a brutal D to face. Uh, Tom Hood says, Zach Wilson was in Saved by the Bell, the movie. <laughs> I love it. Uh, well, folks, we've come to uh, the very end of the show, which means it's time to turn the corner and wrap up with what we call the must list. This is the uh, part of the show where we just love to recommend something. We always love to read your recommendations in the comments, by the way. What are you watching, reading, listening to, whatever that you think deserves a shout, um, and to tell other people about. Richard's not here today, however... Our buddy Sean is our producer for today, and Sean was like, "Yeah, I'd love to take part." Sean, are you uh, are you there? Can you can you come in? What's up, fellas? There boo, he is. boo! It's an Eagles fan. Boo! <laughs> Sean, Sean, just bringing it in with the swagger. Uh, can I take uh, a guess of what he's gonna gonna do? It's gonna be Meek Mill. We know it's gonna be Meek Mill. I mean. It's no, Meek Mill or Lil Uzi Vert. Come on. That's too easy. I'm getting, uh, can put me to box, Sterling. All right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, we, uh, you know, Sean is the guest. We'd love to let you go first. What are you recommending for this week? So uh, it's an old movie, but I saw it for the first and second time this weekend. Um, it was recommended by a friend and I was blown out, blown away. The movie Heat. Rocky. Oh, shoot. Sean. <laughs> Have you guys seen Heat? That's my... All-time favorite movie, Sean. It is It is excellent. I, I just – Al Pacino versus Robert De Niro, classic 90s movie. It's a long movie, but it never feels slow. Uh, a lot of fun faces. I didn't realize that Ari Gold would make an appearance in the movie. Um, and then I found something out that was really fun after I watched it. So Al Pacino's character is supposedly supposed to be have a drug habit in the movie, but they cut all the scenes from him using drugs – so he's just acting like he's on drugs the whole movie without any proof of him doing anything. So he's just amped up the whole movie with no reason, um, which I love. It was just, it was classic Pacino. 
there's this classic diner scene in that movie where they're talking to each other, De Niro Pacino in the middle of their, like they're like, they're at the top of their game. They're both at the top of their game. And, and you know, one's a cop, one's a robber trying to, trying to take each other out. And Pacino is like, now that we're sitting here, like a couple of regular fellas, I got to say, I don't want to have to take you down, but I will. And then Pacino just looks at him across Pacino being the bad guy looks across from him. He's like, you see me robbing liquor stores with a born to lose tattoo on my chest. I am not going down. It's like, it's like one of the best lines ever. I just love it. Anyway, he, I'm just going to let Sean take my, I'm not even going today. He brought up my favorite movie of all time. I'm saying, I'm saying, yeah. Sterling close us out. What do you got? Uh, you're still doing yours, but you're going to do it after uh, I give one. I, I have not done anything outside of really classic rock for, for a while now. I've done some yacht rock, but I, I feel like it's time to give uh, some ludicrous love. Uh, Theater of the Mind, the album by Ludicrous. I loved this album growing up. Came out in 2008. I was 14. I just thought it really was very crisp production-wise. A lot of really good contributing artists on it. T.I., Rick Ross, Jamie Foxx, uh, Lil Wayne, Last of a Dying Breed, MVP, I Do It For Hip Hop, uh, Wish You Would, One More Drink with T-Pain's Hilarious. Um, I always liked Ludacris, thought he was a really good artist, very talented, thought he was really clever as well. I love that kind of, what's that, Lana rap, that kind of southern style rap those beats i think are really really impressive to me so i'm going with ludicrous theater of the mind man way to round out your uh your musical taste there yeah you do normally stay in the classic rock sort of genre like you're 67 well i might be 60 actually 68 but yeah it's pretty close you're an old soul that's for sure yeah. I do want to give a shout out to Cobra Kai. It says, good show, guys. Just brought my first six pack of Arrowhead Addict Special KC Beer, the Arrowhead Lager. Nice. Appreciate you supporting us. Love it. Love it. Always love to hear that. Um, I'm going to recommend Heat. That's what I'm doing. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going there. I'm just, I'm going to go watch it right now. I've been married. I've yeah. been with my wife for almost 20 years. She's never watched Heat with me. And she's like, Hey, would you ever want me to watch Heat with you sometime? And I'm like, uh, are we married? Yeah, what's going on? I've been asking you to do this for forever. I think it may happen. I think it may happen soon. Anyway, I don't even know why I said that. There it is. Uh, folks, you've been listening to the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. Uh, we miss you, Richard, by the way, if you're there. But, Sean, you're a welcome addition to the show, my man. We love having you on. You. Uh, my name is Matt Connor, Sterling Holmes is my better half hosting wise look stick around with us this week adam best sterling holmes back tomorrow on thursday we have uh patrick allen and our buddy matt verderam will be joining us also matt will be back on sunday too uh it's gonna be a great week full of great chiefs content here at arrowhead addict as always we appreciate you listening supporting joining us in any shape or form uh chiefs kingdom is the best but within that arrowhead addicts are the best. We love you all and appreciate you. Uh, And as we root for Zach Wilson, star of Spy Kids 2 this weekend, go Chiefs. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.